Are you looking for truth from God's Word that you can understand and apply to your life? You'll find it today on Make It Clear with Dr. Stan Pons, Bible teacher and president of Florida Bible College in beautiful Orlando. Listen now as Stan makes it clear. Now notice this verse in 2 Corinthians 7, 1. You can see it on both screens, wherever you're facing here in the auditorium. It says, therefore, having these promises, so read the verses in chapter 6, Beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from all defilement of the flesh and the spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. All right, some of you are now sensing that there is a biblical tension. Are you following me? All right. And here's the biblical tension. Point number one says confess, and it says that he will cleanse us, God will cleanse us, Christ will cleanse us. And this one, it says you cleanse yourself. That you will find all throughout Scripture is that there are biblical principles that are in tension to one another unless you know what is known as positional truth and practical truth. Or you might want to understand what is God's sovereign act and then what is our human responsibility. Those two truths right there, that together will help you unlock Scripture to understand that it's not a contradiction that we are seeing it from two different sides that gives us the whole. If it was merely me trying to clean myself up, it would be unsustainable and will not really last and will only be done on the outside, usually only done on the outside. On the other side, if I say it's all of God, I confess it, okay, I can live as I please because as long as I confess it, I'm clean. I get a get-out-of-jail card every moment of every day from God because he gave that to me and I can live as I please. And that's why there's this tension because while I confess it, I am cleansed, but at the same time, I need to cleanse myself. And so now what it might mean would be to remove from your life those issues or objects or things that for you become a besetting sin or a weight or a temptation or something that would cause you to walk closer to your slippery slope of what it might be. So if you're going to cleanse yourself, you want to take out of your life the things that shouldn't be there. Whether it means you put a block on your computer against all the kind of garbage that comes through, or you do not fellowship with certain people that are gossipers or problems with slanders or people that will tell dirty jokes, or you're not, and it doesn't mean you don't like them, it just means that your purpose for being there needs to change or don't be there until your purpose can be realized. So again, it's removing from your life the things that are going to actually hinder you from living a confessed up, cleansed life. So clean it out. Get rid of it if it's not going to add value to you. So the verse again is that. But let me give you another thought on this. I'm going to quote a few more, so just listen. In Proverbs 28, verse 13, this one speaks to me. It says, he who conceals his transgressions will not prosper. That means if you've got sin and you try to hide it, you will not prosper. Then it says, but he who confesses and forsakes them will find compassion. Notice what it doesn't say. It doesn't say, but he who confesses finds compassion. It doesn't just say, he who forsakes them finds compassion. It doesn't say, he who forsakes and then confesses. You see, I take the Bible literally when it speaks literally. And in this case, it's speaking literally. So what I want to do is I want to, I don't want to hide my sin. I want to own my sin. I want to realize this is sin in my life. Greed, bitterness, moral impurity, and a host of others. That's in my life. I hate that being in my life. I confess that it's there, Lord, and I'm really sorry for this. So I'm not going to hide this. And now I'm confessing this before you, and it is wrong. 
And what I know from progressive revelation in the New Testament, I now have the power of the Spirit within me. So he lives his life out through me. Now I can do the last part, which is now I can forsake it. That's the cleansing part. And I can get rid of that sin in my life. Now some of us, we confess it, forsake it, and we take it back again. But forsaking means you're never going back to it. Let me give you two English words. You ready for this? One is the word leave, and the other is forsake. Okay? This morning when I uh, got in the car, I, uh, I left Carol. I left Carol. I left my wife. But I didn't forsake my wife. You follow me what I'm saying? And so for us, we need to not just leave that sin only to pick it up when no one else is around or when we're on vacation or when no one can see us. It's I need to forsake that sin. And my wife's not sin, so don't go home and say, hey, stand with me, you're a sinner. No, no, no. Okay. So cleansing part. I like what Hebrews 12 one says. This is, therefore, let us lay aside every encumbrance and the sin which so easily entangles us. So we confess it, but we also have to get rid of it. Let's go to the third word. And if we're looking at a baseball diamond, in order to win the game, we have to get to first base, which is a confession. Then we'd have to get to the second base, which is the cleansing. Now we need to go to the third base, which is consecration. Now that's an interesting concept because most people today don't use the word consecration in their vocabulary or the word consecrated. Unless you're in a Christian or somewhat religious environment and you might use it at certain times, but that's a word that we don't use very often. But it is an essential biblical concept that Christians need to understand about the consecrated life. And so the verse I have up there is also from Hebrews 12, and it says, let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. And here's the consecration part. Fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. In other words, I'm looking at him. Whom have I in heaven but you, and there's none upon earth I desire beside you. I'm looking at you. I'm focusing on you. I think of a pilot who wants to land a plane. He's got to either look at his instruments or he's got to look at the lights on the runway. He's got to be looking. He can't be watching a ball game on his cell phone. He's got to be doing what he needs to be doing. He's got to be fully focused. And with Christians, we come to church to remind us of our need for moment-by-moment focus. We do not come to church to say, I focused on God for 40 minutes and now I get my life back and it's Miller time. It's I, I, This reminds me that I need a moment-by-moment moment focus on the Lord. So let me help you with the word consecrate, because it helped me when I did a word study on it. Relax. There's not a lot of different concepts about that in Scripture. One is the word devoted. In the Old Testament, they would devote their gain of grain to the Lord. In other words, you gave me this, I'm devoting it now to you, which is very similar to the second concept, which is the word separate, or separate from and to something, to be separated. So when I consecrate, that means I'm consecrating from something to something. The third concept of consecration is when I do this confession and cleansing and I'm holy now and I'm separating from that which is totally evil and I'm living a consecrated life continually of confessing and forsaking of that sin. I'm a consecrated individual. What's odd, though, is that the New Testament doesn't have the word consecrated in it. But it does have Romans 12, 1 and 2. Do you know that verse? We spent, what, a month on it? I don't know when we were teaching Romans. But I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you do what you present your bodies, a living sacrifice unto the Lord. And then it talks about renewing your mind. 
so you can discover what's the approved will of God for your life. And so again, it's the separation to, not just the separation from something. Listen, when I talked about the cleansing, that's getting rid of the junk. When I talk about the consecration, that's adding all the best that you can into your life. That's the consecration. Now, there's also one other concept that I thought was very interesting, and they said, you not only can consecrate things, that means what you own, what you have externally, you give to the Lord, you can also consecrate people to the Lord, and they use this very unusual phrase. Like when you install someone into a particular office, and then they showed how that word was used when Aaron was being installed as the priest, as the high priest, that he was being installed, he was being consecrated. I thought that was kind of cool, wasn't it? And I got thinking that's going to work with our new pastor. He's going to be installed. He's going to be consecrated. Externally, he needs to consecrate his heart and soul and spirit, as I would too all the time going into an office. But now I'm taking him from a non-pastoral role, and I'm now installing him, I'm consecrating him to a brand new role here, and we're consecrated. Did you catch that? So when you have a new baby, I'm consecrating myself as a new mother or father. I'm consecrating my child because I'm now giving my child to the Lord. Now, I know I'm responsible. You're going to give me all the wisdom and the power and the knowledge to rear that child for your glory. But at the same time, I'm consecrating that. Marriages, houses, jobs, businesses, whatever. You're taking that and you're separating it from all the world's philosophy. And you're now giving it to the Lord. Say, Lord, it's all for you. And that's the consecrated part. To me, that's very, very precious when I think about that consecration. Listen to this, because this really spoke to me. Joshua said to the people, Consecrate yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do wonders among you. Going over the Jordan River, I got Jericho over there. Gonna consecrate. They're now going to take over that land. And so he says what? You consecrate yourself. You make sure that you're confessed up, cleansed up, and you are consecrated. Watch this. For tomorrow you will see great wonders that the Lord's going to do for you. It was that verse that drove me to this message. Because I want God to do mighty wonders among you long after I'm gone. There's no reason why He can't or wouldn't with you. You are sweet people. You're every pastor's dream, except for one of you. No, I'm joking with that. But you are the best that this young man is ever going to get in a church, as far as I'm concerned. It doesn't mean that you don't have some flies in your ointment, some foxes in your vines, and that's why I'm giving you this message. But I want God to do wonderful things in my life too, so this is for me, the consecration. So, have you given yourself totally to the Lord? I'm speaking now to Christians. Did you do it at camp? Did you do it at a message? Did you do it with a study buddy, prayer partner, a parent, after an automobile accident, or when you didn't get killed in a battle? When was it that you gave your life as a Christian to let Jesus Christ not just be your Savior, He's Savior whether He's yours or not, and be your Lord, He's already Lord whether you make Him one or not, but it's now you're letting him have his lordship in your life as a believer. And if that word scares you, because we don't use the word lordship, unless we do it in mockery or sarcasm, then how about this word? The CEO of your life. Will you let him be the CEO of your life? 
That's the consecration. Um, I requested that we sing that old hymn, Take My Life and Let It Be, Lord Consecrated to Thee. The worship team did an outstanding job this morning. They selected that great hymn with a few other little melodies and some words to it that just turned up the volume beautifully. That would be a song I think would be great to maybe end with later on, but just think about that. Here's my last word. We went from first base, second base, third base. Now we want to come to home plate. Let's go to the fourth word, shall we? That's the word celebration. I put that up there because I don't want this message to be doom and gloom and you're filthy and you're dirty and you need to get in the shower and get your act cleaned up and you better put on some better clothes and get on out there. Now, I want you to know that there is a celebration. Oddly enough, though, when I went through Scripture, there's a lot of talk about having a joyful heart and a happy heart. But I, I had to really work hard to, to fully understand how did my, my little outline in that order from confession to cleansing to consecration bring about a celebration. So I may right now take a little bit of an exegetical leap. So I want to prepare you for that. Although I still would be willing to take that step. I think I'm still on safe ground, although it may be a little thin. And that is this. When we take the time now to go to Solomon, Solomon now has this huge temple that's built that his daddy couldn't build because his dad had too much blood on him, which would be King David. So Solomon was able to build this. So he built this huge, opulent, beautiful uh, temple to God. And as he built that, he built it to the specs that his dad was given to him that he got from the Lord. He, got, he was with the material that his dad rousted up for him with the gold that came to him. He had all this beautiful temple done filled it all out, finished it all. Even the poles of the, of the Ark of the Covenant was so big, they were longer than they normally would be. He's this beautiful temple. And so now he's getting ready to consecrate it. So he stands in front of the people, in front of everybody. He has this prayer of dedication. And within it is also a prayer of confession for the people. And he also says that if my people are called by my name, shall humble themselves and turn from their wicked ways, God will heal their land. That's where that verse is found, so be careful you don't just grab it in today's context. But that happened then. Then he faces the other group of people that were there, just like I'm doing today, and he said the same thing, and then they fell down before God, and they worshipped him, and at that moment, the cloud of God came over and into the temple, and then it says it was like a Shekinah glory fire that came onto all of this, and God just showed himself strong to him. It was so precious, so beautiful. Then they gave all these offerings unto the Lord. The people were rejoicing for seven days. They had the hugest Texas barbecue you could ever imagine with all that was happening. They were celebrating the fact that they had what God did, that God's character was there. They fulfilled the promise of God. They were able to have a, a like we say in Hawaii here, a, a sense of place for them to worship. All of that was coming together and they were rejoicing. When that was all done and these people were now leaving to go back to their houses, the Lord now shows up with Solomon again and says, now Solomon, I'm going to give you a warning. So it's always like, brings us to the point of celebration, but remember it's going to cost us if we don't follow through with what we just promised to do. Time of celebration. It's very rich. When you go into the book of Nehemiah, you see almost the same thing. They finished their work that God called them to do. There was this tremendous confession of sin that was going on. And then all of a sudden, the, the choirs were released. They had Half the choir was over here, the other half the choir was over there. And they all sang this wonderful, celebrative song unto the Lord of praising God. Their hearts then went home with joy in it. And I'll give you one more and I'll be pow. This is my exegetical leap. The night that Jesus... Uh, had the Last Supper, after he did this, Scripture says in both Luke 
and Matthew that the guys went out with Jesus into the garden up to the Mount of Olives. And while they were going, heading out, they all sang a hymn. So maybe it wasn't a, a hymn of clapping, but I believe it was a hymn that might have been more pensive. It could have been a hymn from the Old Testament more than likely because they were Jewish and they came from a Jewish background and so they knew that the Psalms were hymns. That's what a psalm is, is a hymn or a song unto the Lord. And they knew a lot of those who so could have very well been that or something very close to that, which is celebrative, it's pensive, it's meditative, it's worshipful, it's all of that together. And since he mostly talked about his death and what this all meant, I'm sure those guys were singing some deep meaning, even though they didn't understand all of that till after he rose again from the dead and he showed himself strong. So today when we leave here, I hope that we leave celebrating. Watch this, watch this. Not because we're done. Not because, oh, this was a nice service today. I pray that we will leave, here it is, celebrating because we came face to face with our wickedness. Our pride, our jealousy, our lack of involvement, our lack of follow through on our word, whatever it might be. Greed, moral impurity, bitterness. And then we confess that to God. And then we let our partners in that. We let our, as parents, our children into that. We let our small groups into that. Our church was a part of that. And then we'll have a time of cleansing. What do you need to get out of your life? Who is, who is hammering you that shouldn't be in your life? What's going on that's touching you? I'm saying all this, but the background of Ezra in both Ezra and Nehemiah was this. The children of Israel decided to marry foreign women who were not Jews. They did not have their God as the children of Israel's God. They married all of that, and that polluted them, just like Scripture said it would do. When he warned people from doing that before they went into the Promised Land, it brought down Solomon's heart. And then you know what that happened after that. And so they were doing all of that. So when they confessed, the very next thing they did to cleanse is they had to deal with these mixed marriages. Now you talk about pain to have to get rid of that, because now it's not just I'm getting rid of that thing I shouldn't have, that magazine I shouldn't have. It's a life with someone. Now, I'm not here telling you go out and get divorced. But I am saying that it may cost you emotionally. It may cost you, and you'll carry that scar because you've had it so long. But don't look at it as a scar of failure and defeat. Use that scar as a reminder of the goodness of God for the future not to do it. So they have that cleansing. And then there's consecration. Now, I put that as number three, but sometimes I wonder if all of this is happening almost same time like a symphony what comes first with it what's the first me- yeah i don't know it's all going on at the same time maybe it's we're going back and forth because we keep having to do it i don't know and then we can end with celebration and our celebration is going to be on the faithfulness of god i don't know what good work god is going to do here i don't know what good good work god's going to do in my life in my season of i don't have any idea what that's going to be but here's what i do know is my god who promised all these others promises he will do a good work in me more than i can ever imagine And I'm going to let him draw it and design it and give it to me. Because whatever it is, it'll be okay. Even if it happens while I'm in the hospital. So just remember that, okay? Let's bow our heads and close our eyes and have a little moment time with God. For some of you, I mean, this message is like a million miles from where you are. But God is not a million miles from you. You were in his mind before you were ever born and Whatever's happened to you or with you, 
was either done by his prescription or permission because all along he was revealing himself to you in some measure. And you are not here today or listening to this message by accident. It is much bigger than you are, much bigger than I am, that God wanted you to hear this. You are so important and so special to the Lord. You are not an oops child. And so your first confession might be this. Lord, I confess that I'm a sinner. I know I've done things wrong. I confess that my good works could never get me to heaven. I look back and I'm grateful for the good that I did do, but I know the bad that I've done too. And There's no way I'm perfect to go to heaven. So I confess that my works will never outmatch the deeds that I've done in my heart. I confess I confess that you, Jesus Christ, is the Lord of lords and King of kings. That you are Almighty God. I confess that you did go to the cross. You did die there. But I also confess, Lord, that you rose again from the dead and you paid my sin debt. I confess to you right now that you are my only hope to get into heaven. And you said that I needed to trust you to get to get me there. So, Lord, I confess that right now I'm depending totally upon you and you alone. And for those that have already done that, maybe you can confess that you've done that, but you can confess that you've never made him Lord of your life. Or you've never let him stay Lord of your life. Or maybe you've given him parts of your life, but not all of your life. And you might say, what do I give him? My, my hands, my feet, my eyes, my money, my... What do I give him? The mind and your heart. If you give him those, the rest will fall into place. And now the cleansing part. What do you need to get out of your life? What do you need to stop doing? Stop going? Stop having? I don't know. Nobody called me to, to speak about you. The Lord told me to give this message for me, for my future. And to give it to you for your future. Because He wants to do a wonderful work in it. Exceedingly abundantly above all that you ask or think. And then consecration. If you've trusted Christ as Savior... And I pray that even now you'll let him be the Lord of your life. Not so you could stay saved, stay going to heaven. No, you're locked in the moment you trusted Christ. But now, so you can enjoy that. It's the difference between believing the ticket will get you on the airplane and you're on the airplane, you will get to your destination. Or buckling your seatbelt and getting it there when you're there more safely without bruises. So make him the Lord of your life and you'll arrive in heaven with a whole lot more rewards. So consecrate yourself to Him. And then finally, for all of us, I pray we do celebrate. We celebrate one another. We celebrate all that. But let's celebrate the faithfulness of God. Let's faith, let's, the love, in this case, the mercy and the grace of God. The fact that He keeps His promises. The fact that he wants to do a, a new work in our life and a new work in our marriage and a new work in our family and a new work in our work. A new work in our church. I believe it. But He wants to do it with a confessed up, cleaned up, consecrated vessel. So while the gentlemen will be preparing, I pray right now, they'll have a little bit of music being played on the piano, but while that's going on, there'll be a lot of silence, a little bit of motion going on here, but don't let any of that distract you from your alone time with the Lord, every one of us. 
Our Father in heaven, I thank you for your word. I thank you for giving us these examples of these men and in some cases women in the Old Testament that did what they should and reaped the benefits and those that didn't do what they should and reaped the consequences. And they've also reaped a very loving God who once these people came back to you, you restored unto them the years that the locusts have eaten in their life. And I thank you for that. So Father gives us hope. And I pray that whoever's listening to this message, their life will never be the same afterwards. I pray for any here today that's trusting you as their Savior, that they know that by faith alone they have that full forgiveness of sin. I pray that as we partake of these elements, we know that even doing communion like this won't get us to heaven, but it's a, a tangible reminder of what it cost you so that we could go to heaven. And knowing that, Father, you're coming back. So, Father, we now come wanting to be consecrated to you. In your name we pray. Amen. You're listening to Make It Clear with the teaching of Dr. Stan Pons, founder of Make It Clear Ministries and president of Florida Bible College in beautiful Orlando, Florida. Make It Clear is dedicated to taking the Word of God with clarity into every person's world. It is the support of listeners like you who make the ministry of Make It Clear possible. You can provide your tax-deductible gift to Make It Clear online by going to makeitclear.org. Or you can mail your gift to Make It Clear, P.O. Box 607-901, Orlando, Florida, 32860. Thank you for helping us Make It Clear. If you would like to have Dr. Pond speak at your church or event, please send us an email at tellmemore at makeitclear.org. Thank you, and remember to make it clear.